I'm at I'm at a point in my life for the first time now that I'm starting to have fun with women. That may seem very confusing to you, especially uh, if you have the impression that well, I think he probably hangs around women. Women are his friends, and he enjoys women. Yeah, that's all true. That's all true. Um, but all of those things are just kind of like part of what you need to be a human. You need you need validation. You need uh, some social esteem and network, yada, yada, yada. It was all kind of like, have to, have to. And I did a big spiel before anybody who came out uh, uh, to the live show, anybody, ha. I did a big spiel on the live show uh, before this about talking about how I now have way more energy and how energy is coming from different places. And so for the first time in my life, uh, this year, 2019, first time in my life now, I'm flirting with women, and when they flirt back, I get a thrill. Not a sexual thrill or like a or like a the I, I don't know how else to put it. It was always amusing. It was always amusing. It was always interesting. Right? It was always, ooh, it'll pass the time if I flirt with a lady. But it is like a schoolchild. For the first time in my life, it's fun now. Like I'll I'll say something and I'll get nudes, unrequested nudes in response to the thing I said, and it's fun. And now for the first time in my life I'm not sitting there and and like sitting there literally using energy, literally like using the energy that you would use to do chores or work or what have you. Literally for the first time in my life I'm not literally using energy to come up with a response to say on the other hand, I'm just, I get the nude, the un, the unsuspected nude, and I just respond like, damn, girl, and hit the send. Hit the send. Like, she, it was an unsuspected nude. What was she expecting? Nothing. Nothing. She was, she got the drop on me. She's the bad guy, when you think about it. When you really think about it, she's the villain in this story. So anything I do is just heroic. When you really think about it. So, uh, I, I, I have been, and... This is, this is something else that I touched on before the show, so apologies to all the live girls that are here. Uh, I... <laughs> uh, not only have I been... But not only have I been flirting, but I have been reminded of why I am so fucking sexy. Uh, it has... It has been... It has been a wonderful reminder of why I have... Uh, of why exactly I am so fucking sick. Because some days, I show up at this gig, like right now, I'm kind of blushing, I'm not in a I'm so sexy mood. But some days I show up at this gig and I'm like, what am I doing? What is this? This is this is all a joke. This is, this, nobody thinks this about, what are you talking about? Nobody thinks this about, what are you kidding? Come on, come on. And, like, I look at my Twitter bio, like, I'm basically like a sex god. I'm like, that's perfect, because I don't take this seriously, and that tells everybody that I don't. Like, that is the profession and also the attitude. So that's a perfect bio for fucking Twitter. I, a lot of days I show up. But lately, I have, in fact, been been showing up at the job, being little right said Fred playing in my head. Right? I have been showing up at the job. So somebody just said, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to flam them out. Somebody just said confidence is sexy. And women say that all the time. Confidence is sexy. Confidence is sexy. Well, that can't be true. 
I'm sorry. If you say that, you have lied. You're lying to yourself or other women. Because I have been so not confident throughout this project and so not confident throughout my, my, my life. And I have not faked it. And I have not pretended anything ever. Do you think that I was at like age 22, like in a sports jacket being all like, hey, baby, I was just in my fucking Ferrari. No, my way ahead on 22, when we were 22, I'd walk up and be like, hey, I like your shirt. I've got a shirt like that. Do you like my shirt? I like your shirt too. And that would impress one out of 15 women enough that they would fuck me because they were all out of my league. So... <laughs> that's just how it worked. I'm just being real honest with you. Uh, I 100% was never confident, though, and never secure, and never thought I had anything to offer. And legitimately, up until, I don't know, 35, 34, like, I would, like, be in a room with a woman who agreed to meet me in a room for sex, and we talked about, like, having sex before meeting up in that room, and I would undress her or she would undress herself and she would be wearing lingerie and I would still think to myself like okay don't fuck this up you got you got don't don't mess you got to secure she might not want it she might not want it still like that was legitimately going on in my head I'm dead serious I'm 100% sincere it's only very recently that I'm like oh she's in lingerie well <laughs> I hope we have the same ideas about sexual abuse because the police are never going to believe her. Uh, her own friends aren't even going to believe her. Oh, I know it's a horrible joke, but it's true. You know it's true. <laughs> That's a horrible, horrible fucking joke, but you absolutely know it's true. You have a slutty friend and she tells you a story that begins with, I felt so uncomfortable, and then you find out she was in a hotel room in lingerie. You're going to go, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I the type of woman that I hate right now? Or is this too many details coming at me? Am I the type of woman that I hate all along? Or is this story not adding up? <laughs> all right, I've gone too far with that. Legitimately, though, I've never really assumed it, and I've never had that confidence, and I never will. I don't think I'm ever, ever going to... Uh, look at a woman and know that she wants me and think, oh, yeah, that's so amazing. I'm so cool. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But what is what is happening more recently is I will flirt with a woman and I will be, like, I'll seduce a woman or I'll have sex with a woman right about to, and I will feel very, very confident, feel very, very secure, feel like putting my hands on them, uh, feel like just maintaining eye contact until they break it just to see stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? Just a little bit of, uh, just a little bit of that kind of confidence. And it's all rolling together. And so some of these days, like I said, a lot of my life, I've shown up to a very attractive woman in a sexual situation and just kind of Mr. Magood my way through it. Just, just kind of, just kind of bumbled my way into the destination without any kind of real game plan or any kind of self-confidence whatsoever. So it cannot be confidence that women are attracted to. It just can't be. 
And it might be honesty, but again, it really depends on what you're honest about because you can walk up to a woman and be all like, oh man, you're so pretty. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't want to be rude or nothing, but like, that's exactly why I'm talking to you because of how pretty you are. Like, I'm sure there's more going on, but my God, you're so pretty. Like that can actually, like that can work. That can work. I hate to say it, but that can work. But walking up to a woman and being all like, oh man, let me tell you something. Babylon 5 is still the best sci-fi TV show ever made. And anybody, like there's honesty and there's honesty and so it can't be honesty either. It can't, it can't be honesty by itself. There's got to, there's got to be, there's got to be some earnestness in there. Like it's not honesty. It's like earnestness. Like a woman doesn't really want, all right, here's another example since you guys are saying it. Like a cocktail party or something, right? Should a man walk up to a woman and be all like, well, you look like a lot of fun. And he's very clearly not being honest or being very, very clear about his, like, his intentions are clear, right? But he's obviously being, like, a scoundrel. You're saying that's not attractive? Because that's confidence, but it's not honest, okay? And that works, too. So, let's stop trying to say, like, every time, let's, let's, let's just slow down. Every time I say, here's a trait, and you go, well, that's why you're attractive. Ah! Let me get, let me get to my, well, of course it's, of course it's the vibe, but let me get to my, let me get to my thesis on this one, except you guys going, that's why you're sexy. That's why. That's why. Like it's duck hunt. Just, I'll get there. I'll get there. Here's why I think I'm sexy and I have the penis, so I'm right. If you want to get it, if you want to get this penis, then you're going to agree with this penis thesis. So pay attention. <laughs> uh, legitimately, honest and truly, I do think that I am so fucking attractive for the following. Th I've tried to boil it down. I've really thought about it while I was pushing through with this project. Here are the three reasons why I legitimately think I am so fucking attractive. Here we are. This is real. This is not a joke. This is real. This is real. I'm dead serious. You can tell me. I'm looking forward to the Anons after this show so fucking much. Number one. This is dead serious, guys. I'm not, like, I'm not going to be like number one. A raptor suit that I run around in. <laughs> I'm dead serious about these answers, okay? These are real, real thought about hardcore answers. Number one. Why am I so fucking sexy? Number one. I am so directly earnest that you know that what I say is what you're getting because why else would I say that? And I really, really want you to think like, I really want you to think about all the number of times that I've said something that you hoped I was joking and then realized I wasn't. I really want you to think about every time I've said something and you laughed thinking that I was going to laugh, and then I didn't. And then I just kept on with that. You're like, oh, no, he really thinks that. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. And here's the thing. It's just on the edge of mad... It's on the fun edge of madness. Like, I never say anything that you laugh at, and then you're like, oh, no. Like, it's never like, 
oh man, I'm going to kill the president. And then you laugh and you're like, oh no, he's serious. Oh, I thought he was going to laugh too. No, it's never like that because that wouldn't be sexy. I agree. But it, but like I'll say something like a woman will be all like, what are you going to do? Jerk off into a microphone until you can afford a down payment of 20%? And I'll be like, no, I'm going to jerk off into a microphone until I have a down payment of 50%. And you'll laugh. But then you'll realize I'm not laughing. And then you have to really sit back and cross your arms and think, now, am I still attracted to him? Like, you've really got to question it in a moment like that. Because that's not okay. What I just what I just said was not okay, which is why it's funny. But if I believe it, it's really not okay. And now you've got to be, well, he's not hurting anybody. Is he just crazy? But he's, but he's the fun kind of crazy, right? I think so. I mean, he talks to his cat. Anybody who talks to his cat probably isn't going to be that kind of crazy. This is absolutely 100% a false statement. Jeffrey Dahmer was 100% drilling into young men's skulls, talking to his kitty. That was happening. I guarantee you. He was 100%. He had the skull drill out, and he was hand-cracking into their heads, going, I'm going to fuck you so good. I'm going to pump you so full of chemicals. That cock is always hard. Who's a kitty? Who's a kitty? Who's a kitty, 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 kitty? Kitty wants a brain? Kitty wants a brain? So don't. Don't think that the cat makes me any less dangerous. I guarantee you that's not fucking true. It's a stereotype. Just because Ted Bundy didn't have a dog doesn't mean the rest of us haven't learned the lesson, okay? The documentaries on Netflix, they work both ways, ladies. We're picking up tips, too. All right. <laughs> Number two, why I'm so sexy. <laughs> Number two. <sighs> I have a good time. Now, a lot of guys will say that. A lot of guys will say that they're a good time. And as far as I can tell, what they mean is either, A, I want to fuck you and I want you to think about me fucking you and I don't know any other way to plant the seed in your mind, so I'm just going to say good time and hope for the best. Or B, I'm holding narcotics. Wouldn't you like to know more? Like when somebody says that they're a good time, that's pretty much the only two directions that it goes. But I don't think that's why I'm a good time. And I'm not talking about sex because you want to have sex with a guy that you're having a good time with, not the other way around. You wish if a guy, if you're having, if you're having great sex with a guy who's not a good time, you wish he was better at having a good time with, not better at sex. That much I know. That much I've got down to a fucking key. That one, if a woman says you've got that one wrong, je suis skeptical. Uh, uh. If you can, if, if you've already got the good sex, and a fairy comes down and offers you the left hand, right hand, matrix, neo, uh, morpheus, red pill, blue pill, no, I don't believe that there are women out there choosing, let's get the sex a little bit better. I still want to peace out as soon as possible. But I want to do it with my legs a little bit more numbly. I want, I want slightly more tears in my eyes. <laughs> I'm a good time. So here's what I mean by I'm a good time. 
right? I'm not just trying to seduce you. I'm not just trying to plant the idea that uh, that I that I that I'm sexier that I have drugs. Here's what I mean by I'm a good time, and that you want to have sex with me, uh, and that you would definitely choose to have a good time if you're already having good sex. Here's why: when I say I'm a good time, I mean the following: one, I listen to what you say, and I respond in real time. Okay. These, I guess I guess that's A, because I'm already on two. So that's A, right? And that's really, that's very requisite for having a good time, right? Because if, like, you're skee-balling, and I'm on my phone, and you skee-ball, and you do a real, you do a real great skee-ball move, you do the best skee-ball move anyone's ever seen, and you give a little yip and a little jump, right? And I'm just all like, ha-ha, Dennis Kucinich ran for president in 2004. Like, that's not as good of a time as if I respond to the ski bowling. If I if I if I'm in the moment, doesn't matter what else I say, if I if I don't give you a ski ball response to the ski ball, right? Then it's not as good of a time as if I did, because you're ski bowling. So you want me to pay attention to the ski ball. You want it to be a ski ball orientated experience. Well, here's what I'm fantastic about, not just thinking about sticking a finger up your ass the entire date. Not just thinking about sticking my f- my finger up your ass like you're a puppet that I'm going to make you go, You're so sexy. I can't wait to have sex with you because you bought dinner. Yum! Right? Because I'm not thinking anything like that when I'm talking, because I'm actually taking your words in and responding to them, I I think that it makes me a very good time. Now, quick counterpoint. Quick counterpoint. Here's what a lot of women don't expect is for men to remember the things that they say to them. You, you see, there seems to be a little bit of confusion there when that comes back to bite you in a negative way. Like when you're just all like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, my sister is what you think we hear. My sister. Right. But then you'll say something else about your sister on the second date. And I'll be like, I thought you said that you were with her three months ago. So, counterpoint, that's not a good time, I've discovered, right? When you actually when you actually do remember the things that they said, that's not as good of a time. Especially if somehow you remember something contradictory. Chili's is your favorite restaurant. You hate Chili's. You've said both in the last two weeks. Which is it, ma'am? Once again, I'd like to remind you that you are under oath. So... <laughs> So it's responding in real time, and it's hearing, and it's taking the person in, and it's really drinking them in. And then it's making jokes about what they're saying, or references to what they're saying in particular, right? Not just having a pre-screened routine. And I legitimately think that when I do that, whether it be DM or over a cloth-lined table, that it is a wonderful time. It makes the other person feel engaged. It makes them feel special. It makes them feel important. And so it is interesting because there's lots of very funny men out there and you've all been around very funny men that I think that you would never date, that you would never really consider because you know that the humor is their way of getting approval or points or fun or that they're doing it only for them. It's not really a spec. It's a spectator sport, in short. And you would always just be helping them with the punchline. So it just it can't be that they're funny. 
and it can't be that they're paying attention. Otherwise, that sting song wouldn't be played at every single wedding reception. And there's absolutely no way that every woman is playing that sting song at their wedding reception, thinking that it's a romantic song when it's actually terribly, terribly creepy. So obviously, I'm right about all this. It's not those things. It's a combination. Number three. Why am I so fucking sexy? And this one... This one really took a while... To nail down. This one really took a while for me to figure out and get, like really get, and boil it down to its essence. Because the words that women want to use are very nice. And if you look at them superficially, they do fit the whole. But it is superficial. It is a papering over when a woman says that she likes a guy who's smart. Women say that a lot. They say they like a man who's intelligent, or he's well-read, or he's smart. They say that a lot. But they don't go for it a lot. Of all the traits that women list, I've noticed throughout my life, I'm just going to say, that they like in a man, they end up with that trait the least. Women say they want to end up with a handsome guy. They're much more likely to have a handsome guy. Or a rich guy. A rich guy, in my experience. Or, or, or a funny guy. Or, 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 or. But lots of women say that they like a smart guy. I don't think I'm smart. A smart guy. An intelligent guy. A well-read guy. A thoughtful man. Being thoughtful, being intelligent... And uh, being well-read doesn't make you a good person. doesn't make you an interesting person in any way, shape, or form. Not my experience. Not my worldview at all. And being intelligent, oof, it could be a real double-edged sword. Because, of course, the more intelligent that you are, the more you can focus on negative things, the more that you can get down into ruts. The more that you can focus on your own ambitions and your own desires than the other person, etc., etc., etc. Being smart really is, unlike the other ones, really quite horrible. If somebody is funny, it's really hard to see how that funny is going to turn against you. You can think of a macabre comic who, who starts insulting his relatives or loved ones, but really, when somebody's funny, they're funny. When somebody's handsome, they're handsome. When somebody's rich, they're rich until they spend it all on a mega yacht. Uh, when, some, when somebody has these traits, but smart is a little bit different than the rest of those, isn't it? I think so. Because intellect is entirely what you do with it. Intellect isn't like a really nice body. Somebody has a really nice body because they have made sacrifices and that they have dedicated themselves to a practice. That's the only way. And they have maintained that practice to a certain degree, otherwise they wouldn't have that body. It's not the same with intellect. Some people are just smart. Some people are just wickedly, wickedly, wickedly intelligent. And they don't really have to do anything for it. We've all met them. And it's all really quite horrible. And they can be and do anything with that intellect. Can't they? Anything good or bad. They can make a windmill or they can find out what makes you tick and press on the pressure points. They can do anything with it. Anything that a person can do, someone can do with their intellect and thoughts. So it is not 
I submit to you, intelligence, or the expression of it, that really makes me very attractive. I would submit to you, it is my cogency that makes me alluring. I would submit to you, it is not the ability that I have to think, but rather the methodology and the thoughtfulness that I employ when I show you that I am doing it. The way that I express and the way that I give you, whether you are a woman or a man or anyone or here in person or far away, the respect, the basic human dignity of seeing my thoughts and why I am expressing them and then allowing you to gauge for yourself what the value of them is. I have discovered in my time that the women who are the most misogynistic against other women are the least likely to explain things in a simple and direct manner when talking to other women. The women who do the best with other women can't wait to pass along knowledge. That's my experience, and that's my view from the outside. They can't wait to share that information that would benefit someone else. I may be reading way too much into it, but like I said, I do think this makes me a little bit more alluring than your average guy out there. Because I am giving you the nuts and bolts of it. I'm not reading an article and processing and synthesizing it and giving you the conclusions. I'm not saying something and then citing them invisibly or directly and inviting you to see the fruits of my intellectual labor. That's boring. And in my opinion, even if it wasn't, it's not as interesting or respectful as laying out the methodology, as laying out, here are the thoughts that I have about this. And when you lay out the thoughts that you have about something instead of the conclusions, when you put A, B, C, and D out there, instead of just adding them all together for everybody else, you invite the other party in, especially if they have knowledge about a component especially if they have thoughts about an aspect, especially if, if, if. So, I think that I'm so fucking attractive and that you want me so much because I have a very nice voice, but because also you get to hear what I'm thinking and feeling and it speaks to you on a personal level. And what it mostly says to you, if you're still listening especially, is that the person saying it is pretty funny and fairly interesting and wishes to engage with you on a personal level, whether or not he approves of you or likes you or wants you. But of course, you want all of those things. And so there's just a little bit of apprehension, just a little bit of intimidation because you know that if you do jump into the ring, you're going to have to give up the same parts of yourself. Also, I have a really big dick. So let's move on into quick quotes, and that's why I'm super attractive. 
I'm glad everybody enjoys it and enjoys me. Let's move right on into it. <clears throat> if you guys have quick quotes, if you put it into quotation marks, I will be more than happy to go ahead and say them. Thank you so much uh, for putting up with my longer than usual introduction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my meditations in this last week about why I think I'm so fucking hot. As I've been trying to flirt with you all and trying to be more sexy, I still don't know how to how to just tweet my thoughts yet. Like I'm working on that. I still don't know how to how to do that. Uh, it's it's one foot in front of the other, and uh, I've made a lot of progress. So I'm not too worried about it. But I still don't know how to just be all like, here are my thoughts. Here's how I feel, world. It's a much easier on my blog, because you come to my blog. It's different when you tweet it out. <laughs> I don't know when I'm going to have sex again. Uh, but I do know that I'm going to have sex again. It's a very exciting feeling. Like, the, the fantasies in my head have gone from wouldn't it be nice to have sex again to imagining sex again. And that means that I'm going to have sex again. And my goal this time around, uh, whenever and however and with whomever it happens, is not like past goals of, of to be like very present or to enjoy it or to drink it in. Uh, the goal this time around is just to come all over her face as many times as possible. Like, I, I, I've been lonely and I've been horny for a long time, so don't judge me too much. Uh, but that's that's exactly like, like, uh, daddy horny, Michael. I don't know how else to put it. Like, that's where, come on, guys, get the quick quotes in. Don't laugh too hard. I'm, just, I'm doing this to buy time for you to write stuff. <laughs> This is the audience participation portion. You can go back to touching yourselves to my voice in a second, ladies. Come on. Be there for me. <laughs> like, the goals in the past with sex is like, oh, she's so beautiful. She's so wonderful. I can't wait to touch her. I can't wait to be with her. I'm going to play with her hair. And, like, the sexual thoughts. I mean, it's been a long time, guys. And I've worked out a lot. And I've I've not had a whole lot of burritos. And now, like... I'm so sorry because everything I said before this was about how enlightened and how I'm growing and all that. Uh, I'm just telling you right now, the next pussy that makes itself available to me that I want, I am, it is going to have to pay back rent. Like I am going to, I am going to beat it within an inch of its fucking, like I, I'm going to be like, all right, I'm going to say I'm so sorry now before we get started because I'm definitely not going to say I'm sorry during or after. Like, I'm just going to apologize now, but you've been warned, so let's just take it up. Like, uh, you know, previous thoughts when I thought about meeting up with somebody and having sex, it was like, oh, yeah, we'll get there, we'll get a room, it'll be a nice place. And these days I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to need to bring every kind of lube. Just all of it. Just, I'm going to have to find new kinds of lube. Because what if I need to fuck an ear hole? Like, what if that's, like, I don't, I, it's been a long time. I don't know what the kids are doing these days. Maybe they have, like, apparently it went, listen, I'm just going to say, I was out of the game for a little while in the 2010s, and ass went from 
of fruit that was basically planted in the Garden of Eden by Satan. It was eaten that frequently. It was discussed with that amount of enthusiasm. Ass went from that level to literally being advertised on sandwich boards. Like, like literally, like $8.99. Eat our waffles and chicken. Also your girlfriend's ass. Like, like things change very quickly. And I, I am definitely not going to get caught confused the next time. It's been a long time. So I'm not going to get caught confused. Like whatever the sex is, I'm into it. What do we do now? What do we do? What, what do we do? Do we, do we dress in furry outfits and make fun of Sonic? Is that, is that sex now? Because that's what I will do. That's what I'll do. If that's what we're doing. All right, quick quotes. <clears throat> Good girl. Looking at you makes me think, what kind of noises do I want her to make today? Come here, baby girl. Daddy wants you on his lap. Welcome, ladies. A perfect night for Daddy to kiss all his babies. Kitten, take it easy. Slow it down. Don't go so fast. I said slow down. You're desperate, but I'm in charge. You need your daddy's dick, don't you, little girl? Come here, and I'll rub your temples. If you think that pathetic display will impress me, you haven't been paying attention, brat. You poor thing. You can't even think, can you? Nod your head. Oh, baby girl, you look so tired. Do you need a hug from daddy? Aw. It's so cute that you're trying not to come, baby girl. But we both know how much of a sucker you are for daddy. I love seeing this. Love what you turn into. An insatiable little pet filled with lust, desire, passion, and a constant craving for more. And you always get what you want, even if I have to delay your pleasure just to watch you squirm. Fun quick quote tonight. I should cry before every show. Everyone's in an amazing mood. I cried and I talk about how I'm not having sex and I'm too broke for pizza. And everybody's in an amazing mood. So, like, uh, I, I guess that's the lesson. I'm getting older and I don't have pizza and everybody. <laughs> Yay! <sighs> David Harper is daddy. Oh.
All right, guys. Uh, let's wrap up quick quotes, especially if it's your first time out or you haven't said anything tonight. Let's go ahead and put it in quotations if you do want me to say it. Everybody else, thank you for your suggestions. But if you have put in one tonight, we're wrapping it up. Uh, and we will be moving on to the next segment. I've been talking for a long, long time now, I just realized. So we're going to move the show right along. Sorry about how sexy I was. And I was talking really slow about how sexy I was because talking slow is sexy. This isn't very sexy. This is very good. However, it also sounds like I'm trying to get you to sign up for either a mass client law firm or a new kind of medication. That's what it sounds like when I'm talking like this. It does sound like I'm saying, have you or loved one been affected by mesothelioma? If you have, go ahead and call for the mesothelioma. Oh my God, I can't even say the fucking word that quick. How do they do it? They probably have more than one take. They probably have more than one take at it, asshole. Think about it. Mm -mm. Relax, baby girl. Leave it all to daddy. He will, he, he will take you exactly where you want to go. You've been thinking about fucking me senseless, haven't you, baby girl? Come on, baby girl. We're getting pizza tonight. It's true. Tip me. Come on, baby girl. We're getting pizza tonight. Hold yourself together so I can tear you apart. I don't fucking care. Spread them. Now. All right, guys, last chance. If anybody's new and they want me to say something, it can be as sweet and simple as your name or anything else. But we are closing up quick quotes and moving on into the requested material portion of this evening as soon as I can find it. Then I will stop talking like this, a kind of impression of Howard Cosell, and I will go ahead and do it now. Howard Cosell, a reference nobody here gets. That's okay. No, there's fake laughter. I don't believe you. You don't know who Howard Cosell is. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. J'accuse. J'accuse. <laughs> well, okay. Winchy, I do believe, knows. who. Yes, okay. Julian Winchy. Yeah, I, Howard Cosell. That was for the three of us. <laughs> and in this corner. <laughs> Tonight, I lingered over your name, the delicate assembly of vowels, a voice inside my head. You were sleeping when I arrived. I stood by your bed and watched the sheets rise gently. I knew what slant of light would make you turn over. It was then I felt the highways slide out of my hands. I remembered the old men in the West Side Cafe, drill, dealing dominoes like magical charms. It was then I knew, like a woman looking backward, I could not leave you or find anyone I loved more. San Antonio by Naomi Shiab Nye. I believe that's our second or third poem by Miss Nye. She's got quite a way with words. Very, very nice indeed. <clears throat> Come to me in the silence of the night, 
Come in the speaking silence of a dream. Come with the soft rounded cheeks and eyes as bright as sunlight on a stream. Come back in tears, O memory, hope, love of finished years. Dream now how sweet, too sweet, too bittersweet, whose waking sound should have been in paradise, where souls brimful of love abide and meet, where thirsting longing eyes watch the slow door that opening, letting in, lets out no more. Yet come to me in dreams, that I may live my very life again, thou cold. Death, come back to me in dreams that I may give pulse for pulse, breath for breath, speak low, lean low. As long ago, my love, how long ago? Echo by Christina Rossetti. I caught this morning's morning's minion king, dom of daylight's dauphin, dappled down drawn falcon in his riding on the rolling level underneath him, steady air and striding. Hi there! How he rung upon the rein of a wimpling wig in his ecstasy, then off, off, forth, off swing, as a skater's heel sweeps smooth on a bow bend, the hurl and gliding rebuffed the big wind, my heart in hiding stirred for a bird, now the archive of, the mastery of, the thing. Brute beauty and valor and act, O oh, air, pride, plume, hair, buckle, and the fire that breaks from thee then a billion times told lovelier, more dangerous, O oh, my chevalier. No wonder of it, cher plod, makes plough down Cillion shine, and bubleak embers, ah, my dear, fall, gall themselves, and gosh gold. The Million The Wind Hover Gerald Manley Hopkins <laughs> It had come to the house in a cave of trees facing a sheer sky. Everything moved, a bell hung ready to strike, sun and reflection wheeled by. When the bare eyes were before me and the hissing hair held up at a window, seen through a door, the stiff bald eyes, the serpents on the forehead, formed in air. This is a dead scene forever now. Nothing ever stir. The end will never brighten it more than this, nor the rain's blur. The water will always fall and will not fall. The tipped bell makes no sound. The grass will always be growing for hay deep on the ground. And I shall stand here like a shadow under the great balanced day, my eyes on the yellow dust that was lifting in the wind. And it does not drift away. Mudissa, oh, sorry, Medusa, uh, Louise Bogan, B O G A N, Bogan, Bogan, Bogan. 
I'm I'm almost sorry. To, I'm almost sad to call that pronounce that name Bogan because of all the jokes I made about Bogans on the podcast. So Bogan is how I'm going to pronounce it, and hope for the best. <clears throat> to wanting to sink to letting the grass replace my heart and my muscles replaced by the chewing of pigs, my body taken by a breeze caressing the space it once contained to the persimmon, not being too bitter, but without taste. To the branches, not without wind, but without the sound that comes when it kisses them. To a day, not without light, but so much as I am left to wonder where it is the shade to hold me, where is the dark that gives me grace. To the bees in my body making no sound, but stinging, nonetheless. To holding my heart under the faucet, and under the faucet, and under the faucet, until I don't know if I am seeking to clean it or to drown. To walking alone, to biking alone, to dinner alone, taken quietly outside. To the leaves falling towards my food and clinging to my shoulder as if they are trying to say something to me to the coming towards, to the distance bridged, to the drawing near, to the arrival of the gentle things that approach my doorbell at dusk, brows bare, velvet in hands, fingers stroking the brim nervously, for gentle things are often nervous when stepping towards animals in pain, and then waiting on me to let them in. So that at least for a spell, little or large, they can stand beside me, my arms hanging straight and useless at my side until I am ready to touch their soft limbs and let them touch mine in return. Believe that mine are soft enough to deserve this. The Bees Which Sting But Do Not Buzz by Anis Mogani, M-O-G. M-O-J-G-A-N-I <clears throat> Such vision, pure angelic, as you move about the room, hair drifting past your shoulders, humming soft, a lover's tune. On the bed, I silent watch you, while my passion grows within, knowing it will be just moments until our night of love begins. Shadows do not hide your beauty, and I will savor you like wine. The outline of your body burns into this heart of mine. Our loves meet to tell the story to people burning with desire, knowing that our consummation will put out this raging fire. Descending slow from the top of the mountain, sweated bodies, panting breath, seeing we were very happy, paying off our passion's debt. In Just Moments, William May. We have one final poem tonight, and I agree, the entire chat's been talking about how great the poems are tonight, and I 100% agree. Thank you to everybody who suggested a poem this evening. All of them were fantastic. I, I've never heard a single one of them before, I don't think. They're all new to the show as well, so thank you to everybody. What lovely, lovely ladies this show has, eh? <clears throat> 
Here we are, last poem to finish. Straw slipping between those lips, looking over the rim with those eyes. Subtle wiggle of her hips, her fingers running on the inside of her thighs. Drinking deep and long, sucking me in with her beauty, temperature rising hard and strong, so seductive, this little cutie. As she slid along the seat, exposing those perfect thighs, long and deep did our eyes meet, snuggling against me, letting out sultry sighs. My strong hand found her perfect breast, closer still she moved, my hand slid up her thigh, coming to rest, as our bodies grooved. Driving to a motel was a pleasure, kissing, touching, driving each other wild. Moments like this we will treasure, releasing our spirit, raw, passionate, wild. Standing at the desk, hand under skirt, her fingers probing and holding my crotch, peering down her open shirt, making sure no one could watch. The room wasn't ready, we were too hot to care, passionate and steady, taking her from behind in the stare. Locked the door, grabbed the kiss, clothes hitting the floor, waiting for a moment like this. We made love all day, touching and thrusting with all our heart, knowing it will always be this way, make it easier when we had to part. We had to say goodbye, for I goodbye it must be. I can feel the tear in my eye, seeing hers for me. But it won't be long, it won't always end like this. We must be strong, remembering our last kiss. Eyes and Sighs by Bill Turner. We've got one letter to read today and then we'll write one into the smut. <clears throat> my sweet rose, my delicate flower, my lily of lilies, it is perhaps in prison that I'm going to test the power of love. I'm going to see if I cannot make the bitter waters sweet by intensity of the love I bear you. I've had moments where I thought it would be wiser to separate, ah, moments of weakness and madness. Now I see that that would have had multitated, <clears throat> now I see that would have multitated my life, ruined my art, broken the musical chords which make a perfect soul, even covered with mud I shall praise you. From the deepest abysses, I shall cry to you. In my solitude, you will be with me. I am determined not to revolt, but to accept every outrage through devotion to love, to let my body be dishonored so long as my soul may always keep the image of you. From your silken hair to your delicate feet, you are perfection to me. Pleasure hides from us both, but pain reveals it is is it in its essence? O oh, dearest of created things, if someone wounded by silence and solitude comes to you dishonored, a laughing stock to men, oh, you can close his wounds by touching them and restore his soul, which unhappiness had for a moment smothered. Nothing will be difficult for you then, and remember, it is that hope which makes me live, that hope gives me hope alone. 
What wisdom is there to the philosopher? What God is to a saint? You are to me. To keep you in my soul, such is the goal of the pain which men call life. O oh, my love. You whom I cherish above all things, white narcissus in an unknown field, think of the burden which falls to you, a burden which love alone can make light. But be not saddened by that, rather be happy to have filled with immortal love of the soul of a man who now weeps in hell, and yet carries heaven in his heart. I love you. I love you. My heart is a rose which your love has brought to bloom. My life is a desert fanned by the delicious breeze of your breath, mine whose cold springs are your eyes. The imprint of your little feet makes valleys of shade for me. The odor of your hair is like myrrh, and wherever you go, you exhale a perfume of the cassia tree. Love me always. Love me always. You have been the supreme, the perfect love of my life. There can be no other. I decided that it was nobler and more beautiful to stay. We could not have been together. I did not want to be called a coward or a deserter, a false name, a disguise, a hunted life. All that is not for me. To whom you have been revealed on the high hill were beautiful things, were transfigured. O oh, sweetest of all, O oh, most loved of all loves, my soul clings to your soul. My life is your life. And in all the worlds of pain and pleasure, you are my ideal of admiration and joy. Letter from Oscar Wilde to Lord Alfred Douglas I've never come across that before. It was very, very sweet. That was very, very tender. Yes. Incredible. Uh, I hate to say it because I was thinking it throughout throughout reading it. I was reminded of a rather intense conversation I had 20 years ago in which someone was very, very mad that somebody else would dare call Oscar Wilde gay uh, and lacked the evidence to, to, to make the point in person at the time. Uh, and I just thought, well, how would how would they feel about that love letter? Because Oscar Wilde just described a man with more romantic and erotic nature than most love letters that we get. So are you going to say that was, that was for funsies? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm a heterosexual man, so I have a heterosexual. Uh, oh, tips. Bring them in. I'll talk about tips. Um, I'm a heterosexual man, so I, I have a heterosexual, heteronormative view, and I try not to. But, uh, of course, that's, that's you know, that's those are the hollow goggles that were put over my eyes. 
And I, I will say a number of times uh, I've heard uh, a homosexual man saying like a history class, like, oh, he never married. And he had this one close friend. He was gay. And I have to say, I've, every time I've heard that, I've hated it. I don't care if it's right or wrong. I hate that level of evidence being presented. Like, present something like this, and who's going to deny it? You present a letter. You present a letter like that, and we're all going to have to agree. If your evidence was he never married and he had a lot of close male friends, guess what, bitches? Guess what? Guess who you're listening to right now that fits that bill? Guess, guess how, guess how many times you've heard this guy say to another guy that he has such complications with women, and that if you took those out of context, what that would look like. Oh, I have such trouble being attracted to women sometimes, dude. Dude, you don't even understand, dude. Dude. Like, sometimes they're just coming at me and they're just sticking those breasts in my face. And it's like, come on. Out of context, that could sound really, really bad. (laughs) Do you want to go to a strip club tonight? And he said in response, quote, no. If I see another naked woman before I die, I will pluck my eyes out crying I cannot stand the sight of naked women anymore. End quote. Your witness history. <laughs> the team homosexual historian rests. <laughs> All right, let's get right into the smut. You better have chipped me. I want two toppings on that pizza, maybe a third one. It's coming out of your asses. I may get a four topping. I may get a fourth topping on my pizza tonight, guys. I don't even know. It's dangerous. Depends on what the specials are. I absolutely 100% uh, used to fall for the deals that they have at pizza places. Where they're like, buy one media pizza with two toppings for $7.99. Get a second media with two toppings for $4.99. Like, I used to fall for that shit. I'd be like, wow, that's 13 bucks for so much pizza. But one, slice 10 of pizza is never as good as slices one through five. So you're already missing out there. But two, you just have four toppings on two pizzas and you're just very disappointed with your fucking life when you do so. Like, if you want that, if you want two toppings on your pizza, congratulations. It's a great deal for you. For the rest of us, we're being played for fucking suckers. We're eating substandard pizza that we don't want, that we paid slightly more for if we got a large of what we actually want for. Because we're such great value shoppers. Now we get to have pizza all weekend. I have never eaten pizza all weekend. And gotten to the end of that weekend and been like, fuck yeah! Fuck yeah! Did it! Like, that's not the end of a weekend of pizza. That can be the end of a pizza in a sitting. But it's definitely not the feeling that I have at the end of a weekend of pizza where I, where I said to myself, McDonald's is like $8. That's almost a pizza. I should just get a pizza if I'm going to have a cheat meal. I'm going to spend that kind of money. And then somehow got long into some sucker deal where I'm now on my seventh consecutive meal of pizza going, I beat the system. 
I did it. I won. This pizza cost me two less dollars than it would have otherwise. <laughs> Take that company that got more money out of me. That I spent on a deal you advertised. I sure showed you. Hey, man, I don't get out a lot, and I don't get to eat cheat food a lot, and I'm going to get to have pizza because I complained about pizza before the show even started and got pizza money. So you're damn right I'm going to be talking about pizza all night. It's sexy to me. We're getting ready for the sexy part. This is how I get turned on for the sexy part, talking about the pizza. Uh, real, real truth. I know I said I was going to speed this show up. Fuck it. I was talking for like an hour before I hit the record button, too people who listen at home. Fuck it. I just talk all the time anymore. I can't stop. Got me more confident. Now I can't stop talking about myself. I hope you're happy. I hope you wanted this. I hope it's good for you. I don't even remember I was going to break into this segue because I've been doing this so long. So I'm just going to keep talking. I hope you enjoy it. I hope it's everything you dreamed until I remember what I was going to talking about. I hope it's everything you ever wanted. I hope your children are happy with it. I hope you fuck this as Xana do. I hope you feel like the meek and you've inherited the earth. I hope your britches fit better now. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember at all. It was going to be a little bit of a talk about myself. I don't do anything. Oh, sure. It's going to be a little. There's going to be a little behind the scenes thing. So I'm getting closer and closer to to getting on an actual productive schedule. Uh, even in this hellhole, right? Ideally, what I need is a place where I can just go to sleep whenever I want, wake up whenever I want, and record whenever I want. Uh, that's not this place. But I've gotten to the point where I've really made it work no matter when I'm waking up because I can stretch it out and start doing my recording once the uh, the magic hours hit, the witching hours of recording hit. And uh, the way that I am doing it these days, I'm so happy. Like, this is not caffeinated. Guys, listening to me right now and all the things that I've been talking about, I'm, I'm on water and water alone all day today, baby. Uh, but what I do to roll into uh, a recording scenario is I will have a little bit of ice brew coffee, a little bit of my mocha ice brew coffee, and then I will jump into in my recording. And I've done that for a while now. I've done that for a couple of months now, and that's good. But I would want to eat. You know? Because I've been awake and working, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a living organism, and so I get hungry. And so what I've learned to do for productivity purposes, and the reason why I'm talking about pizza so much fucking right now, is because now I wake up, and I don't eat. You'll notice there's no tummy noises lately. There's all this kind of talking in the mic, and how can your voice change? Because I'm not afraid of stomach shit. Because now I wake up, and I'm fucking starving. And I don't eat. And until I get done with my recording log for the day, I'm allowed no food. No food. And now I'm even like upping it. Like since I got done with my medication last month, I'm even upping it now. And I'm all like, you don't get any water either. Hey, you want food or water, asshole? You finish your recording. You get done with your recording. You get done with those sex noises, you little sex monkey. Then you can... So I've trained myself that I sit down and I get to work, and I'm real focused on it, and I've got that mindset. But also, I'm not thinking about pussy, and I'm not thinking about riches. 
I'm thinking about fucking, I'm thinking about fucking food. I'm thinking about food pretty much any time you hear me. And I may be revealing just a little too much about myself now. But I think now that you know it, you'll be able to hear it a little bit in like the podcast and shit. You'll hear a, like a little bit, like towards the end of a recording, you'll hear like a lot more like, you need to get in that bedroom right now. You need to get there right now. And because that is to you, the listener, but it's also to me, the reader. It's also to me, the hungry man who's all like, shut the fuck up, ethereal woman. Fucking have your orgasm. Get in the goddamn bedroom. I want to make my oatmeal. It takes 30 minutes to fucking make oatmeal. I'm hungry now. So fucking come. Oh my God, by the time I get done with the aftercare, it's going to be like 45 minutes from now until I get the oatmeal. And I'm going to eat the oatmeal because I'm trying to be fucking sexy. And you have to eat oatmeal to be sexy. Them's the rules. So there you go. There's a little bit of behind the scene and you get to, because this is not as scripted, <laughs> because this is a bit more freewheeling, there's a lot more references to pizza. If I could freewheel, free roll during the podcast recording, they'd be like, I'm going to fuck you so good and then I'm going to eat bacon. It's going to be delicious. I haven't had bacon in seven days. I'm going to fuck you so good and eat that fucking bacon so good. Oh, I'm going to fuck you so good and eat that fucking bacon. It's going to be so good. Fuck you so good and eat that fucking bacon so good. But it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit more scripted. So, All right, let's get on into the first porn piece. Remember when I said this show was going to be a short one? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> oh, there's a, there's a content warning, but I'm not going to read it for you because welcome to the fucking show. Enjoy. Your kink responsibly. She dialed his number, the only one she knew by heart, out of the hundreds in her contacts, two rings, and he answered. Hello. It's me. I'm starving. Author's note. I'm not fucking around. That's actually what's written here. Of course you are, baby girl. He could hear the smirk. Tell me about it. She sighed impatiently. It's a ten to gnaw my own arm off soon. You know, I'm working right now. I have an important presentation with the rest of the team coming tomorrow morning. Remember? She tapped her fingers audibly on the desk, loud enough for him to hear it. She knew how much he hated that juvenile habit. How it drove him crazy to hear the fidgeting. He did not tolerate her show of impatience. She was, of course... Provoking him on purpose. Okay, baby girl. Meet in an hour at the place. The dirty one. Text me the room number once you're there. She exhaled. A sweet relief was on its way. Thank you, Daddy. And there is something you need to know. Yes, sweetie. I'm feeling a touch bratty. I don't know how well I can obey tonight. We'll see about that, baby girl. Don't worry. You'll get what you need. She hung up her phone and looked around her apartment, searching for something to kill time. Maybe organize the fridge? There was always scrubbing the tub or watering her plants, but fuck it, she said. She grabbed her keys and slammed the door on her way out. 
Pulling into the parking lot of the small motel, she did her cursory glance around to make sure she wouldn't be recognized. The motel was one of the few on the seedy strip of the boulevard known for renting by the hour, which attracted a particular clientele. It was the kind of place your average family man would not want to have listed on his monthly statement. Thankfully, they took cash. It was early evening and raining softly, a summer treat that she would normally appreciate, but right now, in her excitement, barely register. The lot was pretty full with a strange variety of cars and trucks. Lots of trucks tonight, she noticed. This was also the kind of place truck drivers stopped to take a rest on their way to wherever. She saw a few of them walking around, their hats pulled low, their jeans riding even lower. Toto were not in W anymore, she thought to herself as she sidestepped puddles. The siding was white with brown stains, the room doors painted an ugly forest green. But just like every time before, she barely noticed any of it as she made her way to the reception. This was the part she always dreaded a little, the part she knew had to happen if she was going to get what she really wanted. Room for a few hours, please. She rehearsed in her head as she walked inside. She picked at the cuticles fervently, hoping for the least awkward encounter God might bless her with. She hit the bell on the desk and realized that God was not on her side today. A surprisingly repulsive man sidled up to the glass, leered at her tits, and then made eye contact. Yes. I, I need a room, she said in a quiet, even voice. Just for a few hours? He raised an eyebrows and cracked his gum. She settled his curiosity by returning his gaze, assuring him with a glance that the details of her request were none of his fucking business. At this point, she was quite sure that she had passed gas. He had passed gas. Whoops. She could sense him undressing her with his eyes, her black lace camisole and unintentional gift to the world, her nipples were hard and on display. Four hours, thirty dollars. He responded. He replied politely, stealing another glance at her tits. She slid the cash under the glass, the cash under the glass window, and took the key. Room two o eight. She texted him immediately. The door was located in the center of the exterior corridor, the whirling ice machine to the left. She heard crickets in the background, a sound that persisted even after she let herself in and closed the door. The room was freezing. Someone had left the air conditioner to chill the space to 65 degrees. She turned it off and looked around. Nothing could have made the place any cheaper. There were ugly, unframed mirrors on the walls, a mini-fridge perched precariously on a small console and a broken TV. That was it. The bed was covered in garish, orangey-red covert, like crunchy with use. None of this fazed her. Without caring, she flopped down into the bed and began to play on her phone. After some time, she heard the door open, followed by a few footsteps and keys jangling. His backpack dropped to the floor with a thud. She wondered what was inside, but didn't ask, deliberately ignoring his presence. He cleared his throat. She didn't budge. Stand up, he said. She turned to look at him. 
She was striking with a white v-neck t-shirt and dark denim. The color glowed against his dark skin, the fabric pulling against his built biceps and chest. She squirmed a little at the sight of him, but she rolled her eyes. I'm playing bejeweled, she whined, looking back to her screen. Don't bug me. Suddenly, her phone was out of her hand and on the floor. She pouted. Hey, that floor is revolting. My phone needs to be disinfected now. I hope you brought some Clorox wipes in your little backpack. Shut up, baby girl. Get on your back. Now. <laughs> Make me. In the spat of a pathetic show of bratty defiance, she turned away from him, flopped back onto her belly, and faced the strategic placed wall mirror. She panned the room with him and let him take it in, taking in the dirty carpet, crusty coverlet, and flickering lights being worshipped by a tribe of moths. The whole place oozed extreme trashiness, and she felt wonderfully slutty. Suddenly, he was on her, holding her down from behind as he pulled down her skirt, threw it on the floor, and ripped her panties off. He exhaled them deeply, forced her to do the same, and then stuffed them into her mouth. You may not like this, he said. Forcing her face down and ass up, he spanked her three times, hard. She gasped through the panty gag. It hurt, a little more than she was expecting, more than she thought she could tolerate. And it was exactly what she had been hoping for when she called him here tonight. Her clit pulsed harder than ever, and in spite of the initial shock, she found herself wiggling her ass back towards him for more. Such a little baby girl slut. You love this, don't you? Gagged with your own wet panties, offering your ass to me. Slowly rubbing her labia, he gently pushed into her pussy with two fingers. Don't make a noise, or I will add two more spanks. She wiggled a little more, unsure of how hard she wanted to push. You probably won't like what I have planned for you next. My suggestion is that you just be a good baby girl and do as I say. We can dance around the obvious, but I'm on the clock. We both know that you are a filthy slut and you're desperate to add to the cocktail of stains on this bed. She clamped down on her exhalation when he pushed his fingers deeper inside her, extracting more wet and swell. Don't make me have to call the front desk. She squirmed, thinking of the obese, unshaven, flannel-clad man from the front desk who gave her the room key. No noise after ten, he said cheekily, as if challenging her to protest the obvious. His fingernails were dirty. He smelled of soup. She heard soft porn playing from the little adjacent office. She nearly fainted from bliss. On your back, he instructed her again. This time, she complied. He pulled a Hitachi wand out from his backpack, its cord wrapped neatly around the handle, her favorite. Reaching over to the side of the bed, he plugged it into the outlet above the side table. Listen carefully, baby girl. I'm going to end you for 30 seconds at a time. Every time I stop, you either have to beg or share a fantasy or tell me something sufficiently dirty. Only when I feel that we have reached the depth of your depravity will I let you come. And you get to choose how. Deal? 
She flipped onto her back, her inflamed skin irritated by the crunchy bedding. Yes, Danny, she whispered sweetly, knowing how much he loved to hear her say it. He turned on the vibe and began roving around her various sensitive zones, the, the topography of which he knew quite well by now. Her mind began traveling along with the vibrations, her thoughts above with fantasy of dirty imagery, and sunk deeper into her arousal. He stopped. She whined. Shut up! Now, go, he ordered, and slapped her clit, eliciting a sharp gasp. Like he turned on a tap, his words ran freely from her lips. Please, Daddy, turn the vibe back on. I'll do anything, I swear. I'll be so good. You'll never have to call me a brat again. Anything you want, I promise it's on the table. I'll be the best little baby girl slut you can imagine. You want to show me off? You see, you want to see how low I'll go? I'll open the door to this revolting room, Daddy, while you have me back on with the giant trashy sex toy buzzing on my clit. Please, please, please turn it back on. I promise I'll be good. You can open the door so people can watch, Daddy. Please, I don't give a fuck. You know that. You see who I am, your little slut who calls you at work, begging you to spank and tease and fuck in this nasty room. So open the door. Share me. Because that's what you know I need to come. He smirked and turned the vibe back on, pushing it right into her clit. He began to draw little circles around it, and her breathing came faster, her cheeks burning a little pinker. Her eyes closed again, and she imagined herself lying on the pea-green coverlet, her hips thrusting up into Daddy's hands. She was deliciously pathetic. She knew how hard it made him for her. He switched off the vibe again. Fuck, Daddy, not again, she whimpered, and he flicked her clit hard. She released the incomprehensible torrent of swears until the words formed, tumbling out of her, a jumbling of wanting to oppress him, an absolute truth. Please, Daddy, please turn on the vibe, please. I need to come so badly. Make me soak through these nasty sheets. You're my daddy. You're supposed to help me. Please help me. Did you open the door like I asked? So the truckers here for the night can peek in? You know I want them to, Daddy. On their way back from the ice machines, thinking they'll have nothing better to watch tonight than Jeopardy followed by internet porn? Then they'll hear the funny buzzing sound and check out what's going on. Daddy, please, please turn on the vibe again, and then they'll see that you left the door open, and they'll watch the cracks, seeing your little baby girl riding the vibe, watching and rubbing and pulling down their zippers, putting their hands in their pants, watching you jerk me off, watching me pinch my nipples, watching my pussy, watching me finger my pussy in my ass. I want all of that, Daddy. I want all of them to watch me. It's such a yummy idea. Their dirty fingernails and hard cocks all watching in a group, grunting in the hall. She grabbed her breasts, twisting her nipples between her fingers, trying to prolong arousal. She slapped her own clit for him and whimpered. Please, Daddy, don't make me go any further. I need to come. Good girl. He whispered and turned the vibe back on, sending her hips flying up again, raising and lowering to their own primal rhythm. He had her in her zone, and she was getting close. She was certain that he was already felt her a few tremors, but he had graciously let them slide. She knew that she was going to gush, but when and how she got there was up to him. She was at his mercy, and she noticed how hard his cock was. 
Jones. He changed the setting to pulsate and keep exploring her pussy. She exhaled slowly, trying to control her orgasm. He stopped again. Too long. The waiting was agonizing. She screamed out, Daddy, repeatedly, and begged him, please. Ah, oh, fuck, baby girl. She gave another fantasy. Oh, wait, Danny. I know what you'd really like, she mumbled, almost having lost track of her rambling thoughts. Listen, they can even come all over me. They can even pull out their cocks and just come all over your baby girl slut. On my breasts and my belly, my ass, my hair, my face, everywhere. Just me, covered in nasty trucker cum. And once I'm sticky and gross, I will eat your ass while one of them jerks you off. I know you'd like that, wouldn't you? Rough hands on your dick, pumping while my tongue licks you clean. Please, just let me fucking come already, Daddy. Please, please, please. Finally, he dropped in and dropped the vibe, giving in fully. She pulled him down next to her, swirled her tongue deep in his mouth, and took over. Climbing on top of him, she positioned herself on his cock and rode him slowly as she reached to the side for the vibe. She found her magic spot, and while riding him hard, orgasmed quickly and intensely, soaking him to the sheets, filling the room with sweet acrid, sweet scent of her own cum. He came right after and held her close. Exhausted, she collapsed next to him on the bed, the two of them lying in collective mess. He gently ran his fingers along her arms, chest, belly, and face, chasing little circles, letting her know she was loved. Mm, baby girl, he whispered in his deep voice. Something had caught her eye as she was beginning to drift away with him, a, slimmer, a sliver of light from outside she could make out the parking lot through a crack in the door beyond the whirling of the ice machine and the crickets outside. She was almost sure she could make out the shuffling of shoes on damp pavement. She passed out next to Daddy, smiling. Room 208 by Ella Lee. Boy, that was something, huh? <clears throat> Up next, another piece of smut. After spending the day drinking vodka by the pool, Cassandra returned to her hotel room only to discover that she had been locked out. A cleaning woman eyed her suspiciously as she wandered the, highways wearing, the hallways wearing nothing but a bikini and a wet towel. Eventually, she remembered that Stephen was staying on the same floor. She shuffled to his room and knocked on his frantically on his door, and after a few minutes, Stephen stuck his head out and saw her standing there, shivering, hair still wet. Cassandra, disheveled, struggled to explain that she thought she lost her room key. He kindly invited her in. His room was dimly lit, with sections of the newspapers thrown about the floor. He handed her a bathrobe. I'll make you some tea. She put on the bathrobe and took a seat at a small desk near the window. Wow, your view is so much nicer than mine. He chuckled. You can come by any time you like. You're such a gentleman, she said. I I'm sorry about all of this. Not at all. I was actually hoping for some company. There was a brief silence as he poured hot water into the teacup. She admired his figure, and he did so. He wore a black polo shirt with khakis and stood barefoot on the carpet. Cassandra had always thought of him as the sexiest guy in the office. He was refined, soft-spoken, and engaging. 
The two of them had shared a rather passionate embrace at a Christmas party last year, and she sometimes found herself musing on his relationship status. I hope you like Earl of Grey, he said with a dimpled smile. I like him just fine, she said in an exaggerated accent. He dragged the bedside table over to the desk and sat on top of it. So, Cassandra, how do you like Los Angeles? She tried not to giggle. They talked and laughed and flirted for an hour. Stephen played 80s pop music from his cell phone. Cassandra came out of the bathroom, twirling the white bathrobe floating like a cape behind her. The lights of the nearby bridge shimmered through the window. Stephen was sipping whiskey from a wine glass. I love your hair when it's curly, he said finally. She gasped, covering her face with her hands. Really? I think it makes me look goofy. No, not at all, he said, rolling the ice cubes around in his glass. Straight hair is so businesslike. Well, we're not in the office right now. So I guess we can do as we like. There was a smiling silence that hung between them for a moment, and Stephen placed his hand on her thigh. She leaned in and kissed him under the lamplight. His lips were sweet with the taste of whiskey. The kiss was incredible, their lips fused with sublime suppleness. The, bathroom came un the bathrobe came untied, and they traded tongues. She felt his grip on her thigh. His touch was firm but restrained, and after a few minutes, she took his hand and led him to the couch. The couch was small and sprinkled with floral patterns. Stephen sat down, but Cassandra remained standing. She shed the bathrobe coyly, her blue string bikini now dry. Stephen reclined, and now she noticed the contour of his swelling dick in his khakis. She leaned over him and placed his hands on her upper thighs, allowing her breast to dangle in front of his face. She kissed him and said, I just dried myself off, and you're going to make me wet all over again. Stephen grinned, closing his eyes as she grabbed at his pants. She undid the buttons with a careful dexterity and tugged at the waistline. She was wearing boxers in a tartan pattern with the head of his dick poking out the bottom. She slowly climbed on top of him, wrapping her arms around his shoulders. They continued to kiss fiercely with sensual groans. Cassandra grinded along the hardening shape as he pawed at her shapely ass. She broke away from the kiss and untied the strings of her bikini top. Tossing it across the room, she revealed her peak, perky, teacup-sized breasts. Stephen took her left one in his hand and brought the pink nipple into his mouth. Cassandra threw her head back in ecstasy. He lightly licked at her areola, and she could feel her bikini bottoms getting damp all over again. She clumsily pulled off his boxers. His dick sprang up, and she took it in her hand. His girth was impressive, and Cassandra's hand looked small by comparison as she pulled it back and forth. You like touching my cock? I do, she said with a shy whisper. It's, it's so big. They kissed again, and she crawled over him to the other side of the couch. Stephen took her ankles and jerked her curvy hips closer. She looked at him with curious anticipation. He tore away the blue bottoms with one forceful tug. Cassandra smiled, her frizzled blonde hair now growing gold in the lamplight. Stephen eyed her pussy hungrily. 
He was partially shaven with only a small dark tuft of hair. He liked it. He tumbled the glossy lips, peeling her apart like pages of a newspaper. He took her into his mouth, and she brushed her hand through his dark hair. It seemed like forever since anyone had made Cassandra feel this good. Stephen weaved a wonderful knot with his tongue. Her ankles shivered with pleasure. Her held one hand on the inside of her thigh and squeezed her breast with the other. Her breast was still wet with his saliva as he softly pinched the edge of her nipple. Cassandra stared down at Stephen's head. He, she held his hair in her fingertips, and it was almost too much. She squirmed, feeling that she was close to coming. Stephen came up for air, brushing the bangs out of his face. They were both panting like animals. Cassandra turned herself over, feeling the fabric of the couch on her nipples. She hoisted her small tanned ass into the air, sounding out one of breath as she asked, Do you, do you have a condom? Stephen did, of course, but he wasn't ready to fetch it just yet. Can we, can we just focus on you a while longer? Cassandra wasn't used to that. Foreplay usually felt rushed. It felt like an appetizer to the main dish. She always felt like she was meant to enjoy herself. But the ultimate goal was to make her male partner come. But Stephen wouldn't let up. He licked her clit and slid his fingers inside her. Watching her in this state was making her all the blood rush to his cock. He kept licking and playing until his toes curled and she finally exploded into his mouth, and he fucking loved it. Stephen walked over to the bathroom and returned with a condom, his dick saluting her as he walked. He tossed her the bathrobe, and she draped it over the couch, adjusting the placement of her knees. He applied the condom right in front of her face. He wanted her to watch. He wanted her to take note of his meticulousness. Stephen seemed to hold his dick in his hand as though it were a dangerous weapon. Cassandra braced herself as she felt him gliding behind her. The couch seemed to creak. The music was still playing from his phone. She felt him tap his tip a few times against her spread pussy glistening in the lamplight. She felt Stephen's dick gliding outward for a while before he slipped the head inside her. Stephen noticed her gripping in the armrest. Tell me if it hurts he said. She nodded, feeling his fingers on her hip and the texture of the couch brushing against her tits. It was like a dream. Their bodies moved together in a timeless rhythm. He slowly eased his wholeness into her, and she rode him steadily in the soft glow of the lamp. Their skin now gleamed with sweat. She felt a slap of his hand against her ass. The sound of their fucking echoed through the room. Cassandra had to stabilize herself. She lowered herself on her left leg until she felt the carpet on her bare foot. She came. And a second time, she came with him inside her. Her spine cringed and curved. She cried out until her voice ran out. Cassandra turned over and saw Stephen looming over her. He took off the condom with his left hand and jerked himself off. She pressed her tits together, and he came all over them. She felt his warm white cum fall generously all over her chest. She liked this a lot, much more than she expected. They stayed there on the, scouch for, on the couch for a while. <laughs> Shit, Cassandra said. I can't stop smiling. Then they took a shower together, scrubbing suds over each other. He lent her a large t-shirt, 
and she hid herself in the bed and flicked on the television. Stephen handed her a menu. Okay, pretty lady. Let's get you some room service. The Business Trip by Kay Carney. And speaking of business, this is a business and it runs on your dollars. Let's get a link up for tips so that you can go ahead and pay me. And remember, if you can't pay me now, if you can't pay me now, that's totally all right. If you can't pay me now, that's totally okay. Because it's my month next month, so you can pay me double what you wish you could pay me tonight. I know you can make it up between now and then. It's my birthday month next month, and I will be asking for the money. So if you can't pay me now, it's okay. You can pay me twice as much then. That's absolutely possible for you, and I know you can do it. It's okay. You're smiling and you're laughing a little bit and you're rolling your eyes, but the smiling and the laughing means that you're mine. You're mine, and I have you. You will do what I say. More porn? You guys aren't bored yet? You guys want more porn? More porn? More fun? More fun? More porn? More porn? More porn as you pay me? Uh, now, I didn't mean to because that story was written very well, I thought. I enjoyed it. Uh, but I will always giggle a little bit at coming up for air if you're a man giving head. Now, I know women can give head and breathe fine uh, most of the time. But... Men can do it all the time. There's nothing about your tongue being out of your mouth that stops breath. There's nothing about, uh, see, see how both happen at this, uh, mm, mm. not sexy, but logistically speaking, there's nothing about sticking your tongue out of your goddamn mouth that makes breathing not happen. And so whenever I hear the expression or read the story, come up for air, when a man's licking pussy, he's just tired of it. It doesn't need to... There's not an oxygen tank. He doesn't need to... This isn't a submarine. He's not trying to get the Lusitania across the goddamn Atlantic. All right? He's just stopping. I'm going to tell a real quick story about this. Super, super, super fucking quick. Uh, and then I'll get right on into this next piece of smoke. Uh, I was reading internet forums because I'm a weird loner, and I actually read about this guy, and I thought for a second it was this internet post that you get every once in a while. I'm a guy, I'm of this age, and I'm fucking an 18 through 22-year-old. Oh, yeah. Right? Because that's how it starts. He talks, he's in his 40s, and this girl, she's like 20, she's in her early, early 20s. As I recall, it's a time ago that I read this. And it starts off thinking, oh, he's bragging, like he's like, this is him... Like, he's fucking a woman half his age, but it's not giving him the dopamine that he wants, so now he's going on the internet searching for more. Like, he thought, if I fuck a woman half my age, that's going to make me super happy, but then he did, and it didn't, and this is him trying to recoup the loss. It's sunken cost fallacy in internet forum board uh, mode. And so I thought that's what it was. This guy's like, I'm fucking this woman. She's half my age. But that wasn't the brag. Here's the brag. And I just want you to really, really, really hear this. Maybe I should have started with this about why I'm so attractive. Here was the fucking brag. The brag was that he convinced this, this woman half his age that she didn't really like getting head. Because men after a certain age, eh, they don't really like to give it. And they're not down there for that long. 
so you don't really like getting it. And his whole song and dance was, after a man turns whatever it was, like 45, I don't know what, what he put it as, but he did put it numerically. We just don't want to give head. It's biological. We just don't want to. And that's besides all the rest of it. So you really don't want it because we don't want to give it. And he was bragging. And he was bragging that she complied. He was trying to teach us. He was trying to teach us his ways. Like he was a good, I can't express it. This was a brag. He was trying to get other people to ask him questions and high five him. And be all like, you got a girl half your age and you don't lick pussy? All right, bro. Woo! Like he really thought that's what was going to happen. And uh, that is the second worst sexual brag I have ever read. The first worst sexual brag I ever read on the internet was a guy saying he'd been married to one woman for 30 years. Only had sex with one woman for 30 years. And that she was amazing, and she was wonderful, and they had sex between one and three times a week uh, in a very healthy and sexual relationship. Great brag. Great brag. Hello, kitty. But then he stapled on the end of it. And that's how I know that the female orgasm is a myth. Because look at those numbers. I for sure would have seen it by now. (laughs) <laughs> I read that whole post like, oh, like, like my face was all like, so, oh, this is so wholesome. This is so interesting. This is so great. And then I got to that little addendum at the end. Oh, boy. Oh, it was a real roller coaster. Not a roller coaster. It was one of those drop rides where it slowly ratchets you up and then it just drops you as quick as a motherfucking can. Oh, yeah. That was a real experience reading that post. Okay. Smut number three. Butterflies tumble in my stomach as passengers begin to trickle through the arrival gate. All around me, people greet their loved ones. They share hugs and occasionally tears. Watching them while I await my own greeting is one of my favorite things to do. I make up their stories in my head, then listen as they pass. My hands twist on the straps of my purse over and around. I can sit still no longer. He has been gone three weeks, and I am giddy with the anticipation of kissing him, of having my hands on his skin. Jumping to my feet, I pace the waiting area, my eyes fixed on the viewing window. Finally, he comes around the corner of the corridor, grinning at me from the other side of the glass, dodging through the crowd. We make our way to each other. He pauses, holds me at arm's length, and lets his eyes wander up and down, digging in my high-heeled boots and my short floral dress. They are not winter attire, but I had donned them with the explicit intention of driving him wild before the evening is over. Already, the hunger in his eyes tells me that my efforts are not going unnoticed. He pulls me against his chest, wrapping his arms around me. For a moment, we stand, content just to hold one another. God, I missed you. 
Cupping my face between his hands, he kisses me, his lips tease against mine, making so many promises. Do we still have time for dinner? He whispers against my ear. The warmth of his breath drives a delicious shiver up my spine. I take all my fingers in his hair at the back of his neck and pull him down for another kiss. He smells of cedarwood and spice and home. I long to find us an empty room and remind him that he is mine. Confirm that I've been dreaming of having him back over the long weeks that he has been away. Yes, I murmur against his mouth, but then we can go home. I go to bed. I draw the word out, filling it in with as much innuendo as one word can hold. Mm. His hands slide down the curve of my ass, and he grips both cheeks, pulling me tight against his body. Let's get this show on the road. We make it to the car and buckle in our seats. But before I can turn the key, his hand is on my nape, tugging me close. He kisses me in the way that he could not in the busy airport. His fingers knot in my hair, and his tongue runs along my lips before slipping between, seeking mine out to dance. He had drinks on the plane. His mouth tastes of warm, hard alcohol and mint. A mass of ache starts between my thighs and thrums outward through my limbs. And I'm burning up. I want you so badly. He growls before releasing me with a frustrated sigh. I grip the wheel and attempt to slow my breathing. A glance at the mirror tells me that I am disheveled, as I suspect. Dinner is a fun, dinner is fun, a friend's birthday celebration. Everyone drinks and laughs together. But every time I look at him, I prickle with anticipation all over again. I catch him watching me across the rim of the glass, and a ripple of goosebumps moves up the back of my arms. His thoughts match mine, and it shows in his eyes. He extends a hand, and his fingers skim my knee between the table. I twitch and clench my legs together trapping it there, fearful and hoping at the same time that he will move it higher. I've been wet through my panties for hours, filled with daring. I reach below and press his finger up until they encounter the damp fabric. He disguises a groan by sputtering on his drink. A friend pats him on the back. When the other suggests it's time to head home, the two of us jump up from our chairs without frequent hesitation. We say our goodbyes without lingering and escape into the chilly evening. He holds my hand quiet as we walk. And when we get to the vehicle, he pushes me up against the side. The cold metal makes me gasp, and his mouth seizes mine, swallowing the sound. He leans his body into me, forcing a kiss between my legs, a whimper, and I grind shamelessly, against the fabric covering the hard muscles of his thigh. Teasing little minx, get in the car. He growls, if I can't get inside you soon, I will go crazy, I swear. When I turn to oblige, struggling to open the door with my shaking fingers, he grabs a fistful of my hair. Tipping my head back, he drags his teeth down the side of my neck. The rigid outline of his cock grinds against my ass, and I know. I would let him take me there, if he asked. If I were to flip my skirt over my hips and plunge inside me, I would not say a word. I almost expect it, and a part of me sinks in disappointment when he opens the car door and pushes me inside. 
The city fades behind us as I drive, and we sit in charge, quiet, waiting. I know we are both lost in anticipation of what is about to come. I try to force myself to concentrate on driving, but feel the weight of his gaze on me. I glance over, smiling, ecstatic just for the first time that he is there beside me. A sexy, mischievous look glints in his eyes. What is it? I ask, laughing. He grins, and his dimples pop. My heart skips against my ribs. Nothing. I like looking at you. Keep driving. He continues to stare at me, his hand crossing the center console to find my bare leg beneath the hem of my skirt. My body leaps up under his touch. He traces a skit on my knee a moment before his fingers wander higher and the heat between my thighs, upwards until they press against the barrier of my panties. Oh, I hiss, struggling to keep my eyes on the road where they belong. My hands sweat against the steering wheel. My fingers want nothing more than to reach out and touch him back. But I force them to remain clenched, keeping the vehicle on the road, reminding myself we are going home. Concentrate, he warns, slipping past the lace thong and delving into the wetness behind it. I moan, sliding his fingertips over me. He spreads the moisture around, and that settles on my clit. He works in the slow circles with a feather-light touch. My hips jump and seek more pressure, and he continues to tease the aching bead of flesh, until I'm shaking. You're going to make me come. I'm warm, squirming. I don't know if I can keep this car on the road if you make me come. You're so wet. His voice is rough with desire, and a thrill shoots through me. I can't wait to shove my cock into you. I shudder a little gasp is the only response I give him. My knuckles are white on the wheel, and I have to remind myself to keep my eyes open and focused on the dark ribbon of road winding before us. I love it when he talks dirty to me, and he knows it. Like I had with my dress and heels, the thong beneath, he was all he was using all his weapons to drive me crazy with one. Carefully, he takes his free hand and pries my right one off the steering wheel. My eyes never, his eyes never leave my face, and the weight of his gaze is like a touch, shifting closer. He presses my hand against the rock-hard bulge in the front of his jeans. That's it. I tug my hand back out and hit the turn signal. I can't do this. I will crash. There's a dark road to the right. My heart is pulsing in my throat. I pull the car off the highway at a speed that knocks him back against the window. Understanding draws across his face, and he grins in a wild way I have never seen. His hands are scrambling to unbuckle us both before I come to a complete stop. The vehicle is too small for me to climb across. I punch the car into park and fling the door open, tripping as I rush to the passenger side. He yanks me inside and on top of him. I do my best to straddle him in the confines of the seat. Our knees and elbows hit dashes and gear shifts as we fight to be closer, seeking to press of each other's bodies. He kisses me as if he is starving, all teeth gasping for air. I long to be consumed. I am empty and aching. He is the only thing that will make me 
hole. I claw at his belt. There is no more room to move, no matter how we try. His hands are beneath my skirt, trying to yank my panties to the side. Fuck! I cannot free him from his belt, his jeans, everything I want gone. Gout! Get out, he pants, shoving me out the door. I spare one glance on the highway a few hundred meters ahead, and then he hands are pushing me forward against the car, my cheeks pressing against the hood. I arch my body back, my hands seeking anything to hold on to. I do not feel the bite of November air against my bare skin, only his hands shoving down my dress and cupping my aching pussy. I reach back at last blindly to undo his belt and yank it free. He shoves his pants down with a huff, and I twist my head around, relishing the sight of him. I'm sure my hand is cold, but he groans approvingly when I take him in my hold. I've never felt him so hard. The head of his cock is slick and dripping, as ready as I am. I release him, prostrating myself on the tr- on the hood, and press my ass upwards, presenting myself to him. Seizing my hair, he steps behind me and pushes inside my body with an agonized moan. There is no resistance. I clinch around him, my body a welcoming, slippery fist, and he lets out a guttural cry. The force of his thrust pushed me forward so hard, the car shifts beneath my hands. My tits brush against one of the icy metal of the car, but everything else is on fire. The world consists of him and I and pure joy at finally having him inside my body. Oh, God. Oh, fuck. He chants as he slams into me. He will not last long, but I do not mind. I thrill the knowledge of what I do to him, how badly he aches for me. The knowledge turns me on as much as his turns, as his touch, or the dirty words that are falling from his gorgeous lips. Tendrils of orgasm shake through the limbs and convene, clustering low in my belly. I whimper. He holds my hips and slams himself in and out of my body, a force that borders on pain. The sort of painful pleasure that consumes the body until it erupts. I'm going to come, baby. He pants in a broken, breathless voice. Tell me what to do with you. Tell me to fill you up. I beg him. I plead for him to come for me, come inside me. And he does the instant the words leave my mouth. Holding me against him so deep inside me, I can feel him. The heat of it hitting me, the sound he makes in pleasure, sending tumbling over the edge. I clench and writhe around him until neither of us has anything left. He bends forward, holding me as I stand wide and spent against the car, our cum running down my leg. With a sigh, he pulls out and bends down, pulling my underwear up. I want to think of you wearing these soaking wet panties the rest of the way home. He gives me a lingering kiss. And then we're going to do that again. Arrivals by Ashlyn Rivers. We've got one more piece of smut. Aren't you lucky girls that we've got one more piece of smut tonight? Oh, yes, indeed. Sit back, relax, and let's go ahead and do our final piece.
piece for the evening. It's been a wonderful show. You've been a wonderful crowd. Good-looking, sexy, energetic. Oh, you're the kind of crowd a man could come back to over and over and over again. And that's what I say when I'm not trying to butter you up for money. So I must almost kind of mean it. Here we go. Our final piece for the evening. Sit back, relax, and let Daddy take me home. <clears throat> So, howled out for the world to give him a name. The Indog answered with wind. All you know, I know. Careening astronauts and bank clerks glancing at the clock before lunch, actresses cowling at the light-ringed mirrors, and the freight elevators, operators grinding a thumbful of grease on a sheet handle. Student riots. Know that dark women in bodegas shook their heads last week because in the six months prices have risen outlandishly. How coffee tastes after you've held it in your mouth cold a whole minute. A whole minute he squatted, pebbles clutched with his left foot, the bare one, listening to his breath sound tumble down the ledges. Beyond the leafy arrays, reflected moonlight flittered. He rubbed his palms against denim. Where he was, was still. Somewhere else, wind whined. The leaves winked. What had been wind was motion in brush below. His hand went to the rock behind. She stood up, two dozen feet away, wearing only shadows the moon dropped from the viney maple moved, and the shadows moved on her. Fear prickled up one side where his shirt, two middle buttons gone, belied with a breeze. Muscle made a band down the back of his jaw. Black hair tried to paw off what fear scored on his forehead. She whispered something that was all breath. The wind came from the words and dusted away the meaning from her. He forced out air. It was nearly a cough. <sighs> from her again. And laughter, which had a dozen edges in it, a bright snarl under the moon, which had more of a sound to it than that. Perhaps it was his name, even. But the wind, the wind. She stepped. Motion rearranged the shadow, bearing one breast. There was a lozenge of light over one eye. Calf and ankle were illuminated before the leaves. Down her lower leg was a scratch. His hair tugged back and forth from his forehead. He watched hers flung forward. She moved with her hair, stepping over leaves, toes spread on stone, in a tiptoe pause to quit the darker shadows. Crouched on rock, he pulled his hands up to his thighs. His thighs were hideous. She placed another near a tree. The moon flung gold coins at her breast. The brown areolas more wide, her, hipples, her nipples small. You, she said that softly, three feet away, looking down at him. And he still could not make out her expression from the leaf daping, or her cheekbones were Asian high. 
She was Asian, he realized, and wondered for another word, tune, for accent. He could sort Chinese from Japanese. You've come. It was a musical Midwestern standard. I didn't know if you'd come. Her voice, a clear soprano whispering, said that some of what she thought was shadow movement might have been fear. You're here. She dropped to her knees in a roar of foliage, her thighs hard in front, softer, he could tell, on the side. A column of darkness between them were inches from his raveled knees. She reached, two fingers extended, pushed back plaid wool, and touched his chest, ran her fingers down. He could hear his own crisp hair. Laughter raised her face to the moon. He leaned forward. The odor of lemons filled the breathless gap. Her face round was compelling, her eyebrows unasianly heavy. Her judged her over thirty, but only lines were too small to care about, and the only two big ones were her mouth. He turned his mouth open to hers and raised his hands to the side of her head till her hair covered them. The cartilages of her ears were hot curves in his palms. She knees slipped in leaves that made her blink on the laugh again. Her face was like noon and smelled of lemons. He kissed her, and she caught his wrists. The joined meat of their mouths came alive. The shape of her breasts, her hand half of his chest, half on wool, was lost with the weight against him. Their fingers met and meshed at his belt. A gasp bubbled in their kiss. His heart was stuttered loudly, was blown away, then air on his thigh. They lay down. With her fingertips, she moved his cock head roughly in her rough hair, with a muscle in her leg shook under his. Suddenly he slid into her heat. He held her tightly around her shoulders when her movements were violent. One of her fists stayed like a small rock over her breast. And there was a roaring, roaring, at the long, surprising come, leaves hailed his side. Later, on their sides, they made a warm place with their mingled breath. She whispered, You're beautiful, I think. He laughed without opening his lips. Closely, she looked at one of his eyes, looked at the other, he blinked, looked at his chin, behind his lips and closed his teeth so that his jaw moved, then at his forehead. He liked her lemon smell. Beautiful, she repeated. Wondering if it was true, he smiled. Samuel R. Delaney, Dalgren, D-H-A-L-G-R-E-N. Very, very romantic, very, very poetic, very, very flowery, and a wonderful way to cool down after all of that sexiness. If you came out to the live show, yes, you got everything that you heard here, but then also practically a whole nother hour of me talking as well, a little bit of me crying, too. It was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed it, and I hope everybody who comes out to a live show does as well. But up one final link for tips, and that's it. That's what we do. That's how we do it. Thank you so much. Will there be another live show? Well, you're going to have to find out at grainerotica.com and click on the live stream button. It will tell you when the next one is scheduled. I will schedule it very, very soon. 
have heard you guys that you guys want more live shows, even as the podcast is taking a break from the scripted content, and I enjoy it very much. We talked about that at length before we actually hit the record button this evening. I love this shit. I'm getting stronger at it all the time, too. So you guys should definitely come out. Thank you for saying that I crushed it. Thank you for saying that you had fun. Thank you for bringing friends. Thank you for telling friends. Thank you for bringing new people. It's all happening because of you guys and because you guys are having a good time too. So thank you so Oh, goodness. You killed it. You crushed it. Thank you guys so much. I really do appreciate it. And you remember every tip counts. Remember, if you can't pay now and you feel guilty about it because of all the content I get, it is my birthday month next month. I'm telling you now what I want is money. <laughs> I'm having a great, great time. I hope you guys are too. Uh, you can tell you can tell that the the energy level is a little bit lower than at the start. Because of course, if you rock it out for two and a half, three hours straight and you're the only person doing it, it takes a lot of energy. But boy do I love spending it. I love spending energy on this, guys. It's my favorite time of the week. You guys make it the most fun. Who could have more fun than this? When you guys come out, I know you're excited to see each other and the energy that you guys bring, and that is the exact same thing for me. I'm always excited to see who comes. I'm always excited to see what kind of mood there is. I'm always excited to see if I can improve upon it just a little bit. Tonight, I did that because you guys have helped improve my mood a whole lot over the last couple of years. So it is more than nice to give back a little bit. Thank you very much for everything. If you miss me, if you think that I need more time to myself, don't worry. Daddy's taking care of himself. He's doing just fine. He's got some big projects that you guys don't know anything about that he's going to be announcing fairly soon here. Very excited about that. And then, of course, season two will be rolling back right along. So don't miss him. Just celebrate. Celebrate in the meantime. Okay, guys, that is going to be it for the recording. Thank you so much again. Do consider coming out to a live show sometime. It really does add something to see all the girls. I would love to see one of your requests, and I do always appreciate everybody who shows up because I know you have lots of opportunities for entertainment. So thank you very, very, very much from the bottom of my heart. It's another tip show that I crushed. I feel very good about it. I'm going to go uh, veg out and eat and listen to music uh, surrounded by some fans because my life can be pretty great sometimes. I hope you have some pretty great plans for yourself and this upcoming weekend. Thank you very much again. This is the Grey Knight leaving. I was going to say Grey Knight out, but that's a Ryan Sequest thing, and fuck that guy. That's exactly how I want to leave this recording. Fuck Ryan Seacrest.